Hello, and welcome to Be Vigilant. I'm your host, Matt Dean. Today with me is Wade Nelson running for Spokane County Sheriff. Today's episode is brought to you by the Thrasher family. Once again, we are so thankful for their donation that's keeping us on the air on American Christian Network, Mondays through Fridays at 3 p.m. Wade, how are you today? Doing great. I really appreciate you having me on here. I love to be able to connect with the people that I hope to serve. Yeah, and we uh, thank you. You are a busy man hanging out at the fair, right? I've been there every day from start to finish, and I've contacted a lot of people. It's been a great experience. Has you, this is a question I was going to ask you earlier. So are you eating at the fair every day? Because that would... <laughs> I'll be honest. I, a lot of times I start, I don't even eat till 5 o'clock that evening. I'm so, I mean, there's so many people touching my booth, yeah. which is really encouraging to me, but I love the food there. Yes, so yeah. we've been eating every day at the fair. <laughs> right on. Deep fried everything. Oh, yeah. So, Wade, you're running for Spokane County Sheriff. Yes, I am. Give the people listening just a little intro who you are, your background a little bit. Sure. So real quick, uh, I grew up in this area, uh, my family ranch, just about 60 miles outside of Spokane. Um, went in the military after I graduated. I spent six years there. I worked as an intelligence specialist, so I held a top secret SCI clearance through the military. Um, the last about year and a half, two years, I was my division leader. Um, after that, I got out. I worked a couple years for a computer company, working with Microsoft as a subsidiary. Uh, I decided that wasn't for me, so I started applying, and the sheriff's office picked me up, and I spent about 21 years working there. Uh, while I've been there, uh, I've worked obviously at the patrol division. I've been part of the Marine Enforcement Division. I've been in charge of the uh, search and rescue groups as our SAR coordinator, which is about 150 volunteers, 11 teams that I've managed for a long time there. Um, I was also our team leader and trainer for our emergency operations team, dive team. Um, I became a lead trainer for our defensive tactics. Um, I was also a trainer for our patrol procedures. Um, I took on our women's self-defense course because we were looking at maybe to let that go away because our last guy who was teaching it was, you know, ready to move on. So I took that on and I've done that for about five years. Um, I was worked in our civil division and I've been a sex crime detective. I also became our uh, regional trainer for our department for our incident command system and national incident command system. Um, that's kind of how we basically communicate with other agencies, mitigate mass, uh, sorry, mass things in our uh, um, my, sorry, I'm a little tired. I've been working yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. um, but basically, it's, it's how we mitigate, manage, and facilitate um, incidents within our, our community. So that's what I teach. <coughs> so that, that is a huge resume. That's pretty stuff, cool yeah. to do a lot of different things. Um, so now, looking at becoming the sheriff, you're running yes. against the current under-sheriff. I am. And so if, if the people were to come up to you and say, hey, Wade, why you over him? What would your answer be? For me, one of the biggest things, I guess, is I've been in a lot of positions through our department where um, I've led a lot of different teams. Um, I have a good rapport with all the people I work with. Um, through my military and through law enforcement, I've always excelled to try to become the trainer or leader for everything I do because I believe the training that your people get is what you're going to produce to the community. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the most one of the most important things that we do is train. And that's a very, very important part of our, our community service for the sheriff's office. Another thing is, is I am very much about accountability and transparency. Uh, my opponent is looking, you know, he's made the statement they want to delay and encrypt um, our two primary communication channels um, that are over open to the public right now. For me, I'm much about smaller government and I don't like government control. So if I start controlling, removing the message from the people and control that message after, I feel like sometimes, um, people become a little more distrustful because can they really guarantee the message I'm giving you is the truth? So for me, it needs to 
remain transparent because I work for the people, and they have a right to uh, know what their law enforcement in their community is doing. Beautiful. That answered my second question, Sheriff's responsibility, <coughs> yes. in your opinion. So, yeah. So, yeah, so right now anybody can listen to the police channels, is that right. what you're saying? Yep. And so they would like to delay and encrypt it so that it's not open to the public and they can release it whenever they want, right? That is correct. And the problem with that is one of the questions that was asked in the meeting when they were doing that is how long do we have to delay a channel before we can pull the feed? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just one step too far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we already have channels that we already use that are tactical. So if I need to do something that I can't, you know, that's going to be detrimental to our safety, I can transfer to those, do that operation, and then we go back to our primary channels. So we already have the capability to do it on on our tactical channels. So there's no reason to to lock the public out. Yeah, and on a lighter side, there's a lot of people's hobby. They like to listen to those police. A lot of people. Not me. There's too much. I got too many other things than to listen to the police scanner. It'd be brutal. But yeah, so. The transparency, everybody since 2020, defund the police and all this. So to me, putting another level of encryption there is going to muddy the waters. And as we try to come out of that nonsense, you see even the Democrats saying, well, no, no, not defund the police anymore. So really, I think to be fair and transparent, that's a beautiful thing for the the sheriff to say, hey, we're not hiding behind anything, right? Exactly. And and it keeps us accountable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it keeps us accountable. So the and I think it also builds a trust when they know that, hey, I'm going to be open and honest with you with everything, every dealing we do. So even if we screw up, you're going to know, and I will answer for that. And when we're doing good, I'm going to let you know that too, you know, because it's my primary mission as the sheriff. I mean, my number one goal is to protect every citizen within my county's rights. Mm-hmm. That's my number one job is to protect your constitutional rights. And then on the caveat to that is also making our communities safe. And that that's what my job really is. Yeah. And me, I've lived in Spokane <coughs> County now for 11 years, and I've watched a change, rapid change, right? Change. Uh, urban sprawl, it reminds me a lot of Sacramento and mm-hmm. some other urban sprawls. So what, what's going to be the sheriff going forward? How, how would you tackle the new, I don't, don't want to say crime wave, but the, sure. just the, the new dynamic of Spokane? Yeah, it's a, I mean, we're, we're growing rapid, and mm-hmm. we have not kept up. And for me, a lot of that is, you know, my opponent, he's been part of the command staff for a long time, and they've been in the decision-making processes. And I think where, where they have kind of fallen short for our community, which, you know, them and our commissioners, I'll be honest, I think is the longest-term goals. I don't think they look far enough out. I don't think they, they planned their short-term, long-term goals because we are growing exponentially fast. And we've known this for 10 years. I mean, it's even been longer than that, but the last 10 years – uh, many studies have been done out there. Spokane was one of the number one growing areas in the nation, really. So for us to not have gotten ahead of that and started building our structures to be able to support the growth of this community um, was a failure on our part as the sheriff's office, and I hope to rectify that because obviously with when populations grow, density gets gets thicker, mm-hmm. there, there's going to be more crime, oh. you know, and our homeless population is rising. I think the last day they said crime right now is currently about 300%. Which is just unacceptable. It is. It is. And not even, I just watched KXOY report on uh, Camp Hope last night. Yeah. It's time for that to go. When you have people that are living there that are scared to be there, and the only reason they're there is because someone told them that they can get a tiny home, but they're talking about rape. They're talking about, you know, yeah. muggings, <laughs> hitting with a hammer, yeah, branding. <clears throat> it's a problem. And I don't, and you know, that, that does fall from the city's jurisdiction yeah. is where that Camp Hope is doesn't mean we're not involved and want to get involved with a with an idea how to fix that mm-hmm. um but as a community when we let something like that grow to that size and it almost becomes un- unmitigated for us because we've allowed it as a community to get there so now we need to come up with a good plan to fix it and uh, 
obviously we just got a lot of money allocated to our community to try to fix the homelessness, which is basically geared for basically that camp. And I think it was close to $25 million or something, something like, like that, that they yeah. put into that. And they put a shelter out on Trent. And they're, they're building these, what I would call, front-end programs. Like, we'll just build a shelter, put them over there. We'll build a shelter, put them over there. But if they're really wanting to truly fix the homeless problem, there's it's a much bigger aspect and back-end programs. If you really want to help people, need to be built into those. And that's what we're lacking. Yeah, amen. I love hearing that. So you've been campaigning now for yes. a few months, right? Yes, I have. Anything to shock you that people brought to you or anything, new concerns that maybe you, know, you didn't realize? I mean, a lot of my, I've known about you, obviously, because I've been in law enforcement for a long time. So I know most of the problems around there. But you always don't know what matters most to the people until you really start talking mm -hmm. to them. And I think we've been not doing a good job of that as well, because as I go out around and talk to people. But the biggest thing, obviously, is the property crime. And a lot of that follows the homeless population in some areas of our city. Um, but even just in your rural areas, we're not handling property crime well because people get really upset when their things that they've worked hard for get taken from them. So that's a big deal. Um, the red flag laws of our state are a big uh, priority for a lot of people. They're really mm -hmm. concerned about that. Um, they're also concerned, which kind of comes into our manpower issue, being one of the lowest in the nation where our, we've gotten to that point where we're at kind of a critical point of uh, manpower is that they'll call crime check and no, they don't get a response for two to three, sometimes even up to four hours. Mm -hmm. And then when they do want a response back, it could be three to four days before they get a return call if it's a non-priority type call. So so just the service, the lack of service that, we are, that they're receiving. And a lot of people also talk about the, the shootings and those type of crimes, but they talk about almost in a distant way, unless they're the actual victim of it. It's mm -hmm. the property crimes that are touching more people in this community than anything else. And it's very concerning to me, but the, 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 the major crimes are bad as well because the gang violence and things like that are picking up in this city need to be addressed. Yeah, just touch that real quick. I know I saw a, <coughs> a gang tag the other day that I haven't seen since I lived in L.A., and I was like, whoa, so they're here now. And, yeah. and it's just people move around and they go to where it's cheap. Yep. The manpower... You touched, you've told me, do you, would you like to tell the people out there listening what kind of manpower the sheriff's office has and how we yeah, can so go forward? Yeah, we currently sit at one of the lowest in the nation. We basically have 0.7 officers or deputies, if you will, to 1,000 residents. Hmm. The national average is 2.2 to 1,000. So we're greatly understaffed. Spokane City, who's just right across the hall from us in the same building, they have basically the same size a population that we have. They have a smaller demographic. We have a, a bigger, you know, geographical area to cover. Crimes within the two jurisdictions are almost equal in, in the amount of crimes and things that are going on. And they have roughly 340 officers on the road, and we have roughly 218 to 220 mm. right now. So you look at the disparity. We were the same size back in 2006. We both had about roughly 240. And in that time frame, that 16 years or, or more, we've basically uh, – We've stayed the same and shrunk, and they've grown exponentially. And a lot of that to me is our leadership of the county, m again, having a lack of vision for what's, how our community is growing and what's going on, and they failed to provide the proper, um, how should we say, proper pay, proper um, um, 
sorry, my brain. Just overall funny. Yeah, overall funny, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the whole thing came down to is, is the city was paid way better than we were for a lot of years. They had better benefits, all those type of things, and we never caught up to them. So anybody that came to our area would go to the Spokane Police Department instead of the Sheriff's Office. It's just the way it was. We've kind of gotten up to there. They This year, election year, obviously, they gave a big raise, and everything is going. Now they're saying, look, look here, we're going to do this. My opponent keeps telling everybody, you just give me 18 more months, and, and we'll, we'll have 200 and I can't remember what he's saying. It was like 50, 60 officers on the road or something like that, which doesn't even still doesn't even put us at one yeah. to a thousand, <coughs> by the way. But my thing is, is I just I hate it when someone's been in charge for a long time, and he's been part of that command staff under sheriff for four years. My opponent has, and they tell you 18 months later, just give me and I'll be here. That sounds like a normal politician that tells you, look, I've been I've been in charge and working hard, and I know I'm not getting the job done, but I tell you what, you put me in there again, and I'll get it done that mm-hmm. down the road. <coughs> And to me, that's just an excuse and, and it's a push because they've had a lot. We've known this has been going on for 10 years. And these last 10 years, they have failed to mitigate this problem. So here we are. Yeah. Just 18 months. It's another year and a half with mm-hmm. the rampant crime, the property crimes, the shootings, and all that. I mean, to me, that needs to be addressed it does. ASAP. It does. And, and unfortunately, I mean, you know, I look at it and I've been doing a lot of research on this. And, you know, I have about a seven-year plan. And it's going to take me seven years if I can get everybody on board with what I want to have happen and how we need to fund it and how we're going to do our hiring process. And, and it's not just the hiring process that they're failing at, by the way. We have one of the lowest retention. So mm-hmm. even when we do hire, we only have about a 20% retention rate right now. So when we hire, hire new hires, we hire 10, we basically retain two. Wow. So we have not, and, and this is another issue that I have, is if this has been going, it's been going on for a lot of years, mind you, like the next four or five years it's been this bad. Why have we not looked at that, really done a study and say, why are our recruits that we're picking up not staying with us? And then changing our process of how we're recruiting and doing these things because they've been recruiting the same way for the whole time and we have the same results and they're not good results. Mm-hmm. So for me, if, if something isn't working, you know, change it up, figure out what's going on, get someone who really knows that dynamic or people that are professionals in that recruiting section, which there's Lots of companies out there that do these things, and I've contacted a few, and when I tell them the kind of things we're doing, hey, we're using billboards, and we don't really use a lot of social media, and they're just like, you guys are so far behind. <laughs> and so for me, we need to get back up to to how the youth today communicate, reach out to them, the way that they talk, and I guarantee you we can increase our, our uh, productivity in that. Right, right, right on. That sounds a good way. So you mean a billboard in Times Square didn't bring in yeah, a whole that bunch didn't, of Yeah, that people. didn't work real well, no. And I think we spent a lot of money on that. I think we spent almost, I, mean, I don't know the exact number, it was like $150,000, $200,000 on billboards all over, in, you know, in Oregon, Colorado, New York. I mean, we've been putting them everywhere. And uh, people are not going to pick up their family from two states away or all the way across our nation for a signing bonus that we're trying to pump up of $25,000. And to me, that's that shows you how desperate we are when we're pumping up sign-on bonuses and that's their idea. Well, we'll just keep increasing our sign-on bonuses and people will come. That isn't what fixes it. It's, it's, it's the livelihood. It's the, the benefits you get through the employment that matters. So so a question that just hit me is, and maybe you can speak to this. Yeah. I spoke to another guy that was going to run for sheriff, and I said, well, what's the, what's the morale mm-hmm. of the patrol man, patrol woman, the deputy out there, yeah. and how would you go about lifting that? Because to me, when you're in that type of any work environment, morale sure. is a huge thing. Yeah, because, I mean, it reflects on, I mean, for number one, I want to I state up front, the men and women work for our department. I've 
worked with them for many years. They are some of the best people you'll ever meet and be out there with, you know, but they're people. And when you get overworked and you're overtasked and you don't see the light at the end because the people that you work for, the administration, is not doing a good job of, of mitigating the problem and saying, hey, here's my solution. This is where we're going to fix it. Your morale goes down. You know, now is everybody's morale down the dump? Are we sad every day? No, everybody there loves their job. Mm -hmm. They want to work hard. But the problem is, is, is we're paying just to get someone to come in on our off time, double time. You know, overtime used to be, you know, one and a half times your pay. People just quit coming in because they were so burnt out. Mm -hmm. They bumped it up to double time just to get people in. They had to open it up to the sergeant level because we couldn't get enough deputies to come in and work. So you can have some days a sergeant could be out there running a patrol car and to me, that's just, it's, it's unacceptable. And they don't see a light in the tunnel because of our retention rates and where it's been, it's been going on for years, mind you. So, so the retention rates and things like that that are going on, the other big discouragement for us out there is, is how when we do arrest someone, half the time you have to wait to even get them in the jail because they're on red light status, which means that basically they're full and they won't let anybody else get in there. And then when they do get in there, they're just revolved right back out because there's nothing on the far end that gives them any type of sensitivity. So, so there's a lot of broken parts of the system that cause the morale to go down for our guys, men and women out there. Mm -hmm. Like I, <clears throat> I've said it before, and I don't know if I've said it on this show, I've lived up and down the West Coast, and I don't, I don't have a lot of interactions with the sheriffs anymore, sure. the deputies. But what I do see them out there, they're still trying to do that, that local policing, and they're, yes, they are. they're doing their best. And it, when you give me these numbers about how few are out there, I'm not this guy that says we need this huge police state. But I at agree. the same time, when you call 911, let's say you're having a heart attack, who's the first one that shows up? Yes. They have the fastest cars, right? They're out That's right. there. And yes. they're all trained in CPR. They're all mm -hmm. trained in life-saving techniques. Right. So to me, when you, you chop those numbers down, you're really cutting down on life-saving support that could be there. You know, water rescues, you weren't part of the, the I was. search and rescue. See, we live right here by the river. It seems like they're pulling somebody out. Once a week, and it's pretty. It was yeah, it's pretty busy. I mean, it's it's sad to say that that, that there's that much going on in our community. But we have a lot of water. I mean, we mm -hmm. have a lot of waterways in ours. So there's a lot of people that recreate there, and a lot of people choose not always to do it the best way or the safest way. And a lot of times, is unfortunately the outcome is are, are devastating. Yeah, I grew up by the ocean, and we used to pull. We used to call them kooks. They'd come from yeah. other cities, and we'd have to pull them out of the ocean oh, yeah. because they would get stuck out there. So yep. I understand the uh, the the water dangers, and I'm glad that there's people out there that. Are, are ready to call at a minute's notice and yeah to me that's just the crazy part if you you dwindle those numbers down i know i had a friend became a spokane county firefighter yeah i said well look i showed him the pay for spokane city firefighters he's like well it starts out more but here we top out more in the yeah. county are the sheriff's deputies the same way or is there no no they they start out more and they top out more in the city really um you know, we've shrunk that sum mm -hmm. in this last, and like to this is last year's negotiation. They did a pretty good job. <clears throat> I mean, I, that's one thing that, that did go well. I don't know why they waited so long to, to start doing this. I think my personal opinion is that sometimes when election times come up for people, people start really looking at things and saying, oh, I got to make a difference, which I'm glad it happened because there's at least some good that came out of it. But I think as a leader, you need to, you need to be doing it all the time. And that's, that's part of what I aim to do. Right. I, I'm just going to go ahead and blame the Spokane County Commissioners then because uh, big problem. I'll call them out whenever I can. There might be a good one there. Mm -hmm. And now all their jobs are on the line. And that's a six-figure job. It is. It's a great job. Up. And, you know, and I, you know, a lot of people are, say they don't like us going from three to five. I think it's great. Yeah. I think the more heads you have trying to resolve or solve a problem is way better. Just like when I'm sheriff, it's not just me making decisions. I'm going to have a very educated 
well understood staff that are going to help me in so many ways to make decisions to make our community better and having two more commissioners is going to do that for us as well i i really believe that right on that's got to got to pump pastor brian noble then you guys heard him on the show great guy yeah. i think he has the level head and the experience dealing with people it's it's time if you guys sat those three commissioners i'm just gonna get on a soapbox real quick Go ahead, you could as we went through your 20, show my friend as we went through 2020 the spokane county commissioners you guys really let me down we could have fought back against the state and you guys were the, the head the tip of the spear and you decided to sit on your hands so if you're there and we recycle you out with a better conservative-minded person oh well because to me, and Wade isn't the first person I've talked to that told me these, these deputies' numbers that are on the street, it's just crazy. And it's got to come down to budgets. They probably had to figure out how to spend money somewhere else and wind farms or whatever it was they were looking at doing. So the jail. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that. And jails are always overcrowded anymore. seems like wherever you go. Mm -hmm. Is that privately run or is that run by the, the it's sheriff's It's run office? by – well. It used to be underneath the sheriff's office. This is kind of something that I also, as a sheriff, I think that we let the community down. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be negative this whole show, everybody, just mm -hmm. so you know, but but you got to understand there's a lot of things that happen that put us where we are today. So the jail used to be underneath the sheriff's department. Um, Ozzie Knezovich, he's the sheriff at the time, decided to give that up. So now basically it's ran from the county's perspective through the commissioners. Um, the problem with that is, is the sheriff, who's the guy who's taking them off the road, the jail is for obviously short-term, it's not for long-term um, inmates. Mm -hmm. It's for when you're getting off the street, waiting for your arraignments, all those kind of things, seeing the courts, all your court business. But the problem was is when we lose the ability to, to, to have any say over the procedures and things that go on in there and how we're going to house our inmates because we're the ones taking them off the street and I'm the one that's going to be keeping the number system on it. Well, we're taking this many off, we can store this many, and I lose that capability. They tell me we're on red light, I can't even put a, my, a guy out on the street into the jail. And uh, the sheriff should not be told no when he needs to put someone in a jail, but I don't run the jail, so I can't say, well, let's make room. You know what I mean? That's the problem. So, and on the side note, just so you know, all the uh, correction officers union, they just endorsed me for okay. our Spokane County Jail, and they also work out at Geiger, um, that, uh, which was a, a great thing for me. Um, you know, they're a bunch of hardworking men and women, and they're on the ground level, and they see what's going on because they're living it through what's going on with our jail, and they really want to see a change, so they stepped up and, and got behind us on that. So we need to find a way. Do we need a new jail? People ask that all the time. Yes, we need a new facility. We've outgrown ours. Ours is old. Um, I think we could improve maintenance on it and probably get it to a much better working condition if we need to because we're going to have to do something because most of the budgets out there for a new jail are, are pretty astronomical and yeah. our community probably isn't going to be able to absorb that very well currently. So we need to find more innovative and better ways to figure out how to house um, people who are doing crime to our community. Yeah, that's a great segue too into the endorsement section. I know people out there are probably wondering who's behind you and uh, want to know. Besides corrections officers, you got any other yeah, cool yeah. endorsements? Yeah, the corrections officers, you know, I, and I've talked to a lot of different people. There's a, there's a lot of, um, I talked to a lot of unions out there, um, all the, the, the Teamsters, all the local Teamsters and their council. I think Teamsters 28 council, I believe it is, it's here. Um, all of them have endorsed me. Um, State Representative Bob McCaslin has endorsed me. Um, so there's a, there's, those are my main. And then I have tons of businesses throughout our community and citizens. I have um, endorsement sign-up sheets. You know, I have hundreds, hundreds of people to put their names on there, businesses. A lot of people want to see change because they're just tired of the crime. They really are. They're tired of the crime. And 
for me, when these certain type of unions, they step up and say, we're behind you, they understand that I am willing to work with the very employees and the working people of this community to make it better. I'm not, I'm not part of what I call the machine. I, am, I don't have the machine backing me. I don't have, you know, big government coming in saying this is our guy. I'm the guy that's trying to change that so that we can get it back so that people have a better say and they can trust the guy that's in their lead law enforcement position. Amen to that. That's some good, good endorsements there. Representative Bob, I think he'll be on the show next week. If, I, if he's got time, he's running for county auditor. Yeah, he's, he's important. If, if you guys are out there going to vote, you need to vote for him for, for auditor. We need to get our, our voting integrity back. We need to make sure all of our county positions and facilities are held to, uh, to a good standard, and he's the one that makes sure that happens. Yeah, I was actually out door knocking for him, and I had two people say that they would never vote for him, and that he was like some evil guy. I'm like, he's a kindergarten teacher, man. You guys are – You won't meet a nicer man. Stop reading the spokesman review, yeah, I, mean, I told him. He's a nice man. He's an ethical man, moral man. I, you won't find one that's more so. Mm-hmm. Real quick, I'm looking behind you. We've got our list of uh, legislation sign-up sheet, and the first one on top is the Restore Police Pursuit. Yes. Just uh, maybe somebody that's seen these paperwork, maybe you can just give it uh, from a, a deputy's yeah, so perspective. <clears throat> yeah, for us it becomes real frustrating because it basically takes away your law enforcement, the ability to decide what's safe and what's not and who we can chase and who we can't because, you know, our job is to get bad people to stop doing things out there so our community can be safer. When they pass a law like that that says, I can't chase anybody unless, you know, it's it's a violent felony or I think they're going to be harmed to someone as they're going. I mean, somebody can go into a store, steal $600 or whatever worth of stuff, as long as they get in their car and take off, and I start and they start driving crazy and chasing them, I have to terminate that pursuit by our state law because mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, shoot somebody or violently assault somebody on the way out the door or anything like that. So... It's a real problem, and everybody that's a bad guy out there knows this. You know, it was already getting to a point where if you just drove crazy, we would terminate pursuits because of liability. Everything always comes back to liability, liability. But at some point, as a law enforcement leader, I understand liability. I understand we have to weigh that. But at some point, we have to weigh the safety of the rest of the community. We have to figure out the balance of letting people get away all the time because then they just emboldens them to do it again and again. I think if people knew that we would – not stop till we caught you. It may be painful for a few years, but give it, and I bet you they would quit running after a while because mm-hmm. it just it isn't beneficial. Yeah. When I heard that that was on the books, it was crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We have about one minute left. I wanted to get one last thing. Just give everybody listening a fun fact about you that nobody knows yet. Oh, a fun fact. So my wife, a lot of people don't know, but her name is Turtle. Everybody says, well, what? But that's what she is. Anyway, it's, I don't know if it's a fun fact, but my wife is really into – crazy adventure stuff, metal detecting, munzing, geocaching. So that's what we spend a lot of our time doing. We're treasure hunters at heart. We're both scuba divers, so we love to go diving. So I call it finding junk, but she, <laughs> but she calls it finding treasure. So to us, we're, we're big-time treasure finder people. We love to do that there stuff. There you go. That's awesome. Wade Nelson running for Spokane County Sheriff. I thank you again for coming on the show. I thank you for sticking your neck out yes. and wanting to represent the people of Spokane County. Good luck to you. If you guys have any questions, you can get us get a hold of us here or get a hold of you how? They can give me a call. I'll give my phone number at 509-319-1923. If I don't answer, I will call you back. You can uh, check out my webpage. It's Nelson's for Sheriff. Uh, go there, and, and you can ask a question through an email there as well, and I will gladly get back to you. Right on. Wade, once again, thank you. Everybody else, until next time, remember to be sober, be vigilant.